Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And listen, if one more DM shows up, I will have my cybersecurity team go the distance on it. I will like IP addresses. And you know what? There are easy ways to hide things, but you can always figure out who's doing stuff. She's going to have the cybersecurity team go the distance on it. She's going to have them go the distance on it. I didn't even know people had cybersecurity teams, but I'm worried now. Do I need to get a cybersecurity team on retainer? Because that was a clip from the Real Houses of Salt Lake City. Lisa Barlow saying she's got a cybersecurity team. And I've got to be honest with you. I believe every word she's saying about Miss Meredith Marks and the DMs. And allegedly, Meredith Marks is sending DMs from a burner account on Instagram to the other cast members to throw her other cast members under the bus. And I don't know what any of these women are capable of, but I'm scared. I'm scared and I'm shaking in my boots because now I'm finding out they got cybersecurity teams. One of them went away, uh, away in, um, not, not away in a manger. <laughs> Not away in a manger. She went away in prison. Jen is sitting in a prison cell somewhere. Mary Cosby hasn't been seen for weeks, but uh, who knows what she's capable of. Now, I'm worried about all of them, so I'm scared to even talk on this podcast these days about Salt Lake City women because who knows what they're capable of doing. And I believe every word of Lisa Barlow and Meredith Marks in those DMs because I know when they got off from that dinner table, Meredith Marks, she went right into her Instagram account and she started deleting DMs. She was texting Brooks. She's like, what's the password to the burner account? <laughs> What's the password, Brooks, to the burner account? And then she went on in there and she just started delete, delete, delete. You know, allegedly, allegedly, that's at least what I believe when they were talking about it at that pirate dinner because she was too calm, cool, and collected about it all. We're going to get into it though. But yeah, and when Lisa Barlow kept saying, my cybersecurity team will go the distance on them. I am on my way. I can go the distance on it. That was the song from Hercules. Uh, you guys, we have so much to talk about today because we got the Real House of Salt Lake City. We're going to dive deep into that episode. Also, I want to briefly touch on the Real House size of Beverly Hills mid-season trailer. Can't believe we're already mid-season. The Vanderpump Rules trailer came out. The new season is going to be January 30th launching. And then also we have Matt Rogers, comedian, musician. He's got a new album, a holiday album out. Uh, Matt is a friend of the show and he's a fantastic. So I will be playing that interview after we do all of the Salt Lake City recap. You can also watch that interview on the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Danny Pellegrino and the number one. Uh, but first, uh, okay, let's talk about the Beverly Hills mid-season trailer. I can't believe we're mid-season already. You know, my theory is that Beverly Hills has about three good episodes per season, and then the rest is a lot of filler. And that's at least the the vibe I was getting from the mid-season trailer. I wasn't getting super excited about anything. Uh, we do see some more M- Morgan and by the way, Morgan showed up at another one at Kath's holiday parties. That's right. Kath Hilton had another holiday party. Every day she's throwing a holiday party at that house with Denise Richards in pajamas and the Morgan, the honky-tonk lesbians showing up at the holiday party. It's like everybody's welcome, and she's doing them every day. And so I just saw a new photo from some new holiday party. 
again, just last week on the podcast, I was saying cats having a holiday party every day. And then a couple days after that, some new photos popped up, and it was like Morgan, Kath, and Kyle. And I was like, huh? What's going on here? Anyway, we see a little bit more of Morgan in the mid-season trailer. And then, uh, I, I don't know, there just didn't seem to be a lot. I feel like they're saving all the good Erica Jane stuff for her spinoff show. And then Sutton's unhinged, as always, which is great TV, good. Uh, and then the mid-season trailer ends with Crystal connected to an IV. Again, they're doing that same thing they always do, where they leave us on a cliffhanger as if one of the cast members passed away. Because we're... <laughs> We're ending the mid-season trailer, which is Crystal in bed like Meredith Marks hooked up to an IV. But meanwhile, it's just like these women get a little dehydrated. And nowadays, these IVs are just, too, they're quite frankly, too easy to get. Too easy to get these hangover IVs and everything. Because they, we've been spoiled by them now. A few years ago, probably five, ten years ago, you could barely get an IV for dehydration. And then they started popping up. I noticed them in Las Vegas. You'd go to Las Vegas and they'd have hangover IVs in the in the shops, and then you could even order them eventually to the hotel rooms. And then we started to see them pop up on the shows where they would get the vitamin IVs. And then here in Los Angeles, you can't go 10 feet without running into one of the IV places where you just hop on in and they hook you up with a needle and pump you with some fluids. And it started popping up on our housewife shows. And I do think that we need to get rid of them. We need to have some IV reform because not because I don't think they're great. Get all your vitamins you want. Pump yourself full of all the fluids you need. But I'm concerned because they are bamboozling us on Bravo with these IVs. Because every time the cast members get them, they're leading us to believe in a cliffhanger that these women are dying. And we know that they're not. We know that they're healthy and healthy as a horse. Crystal has got a coconut water company. So if anyone could stay hydrated, it's her. And yet at the end of the mid-season trailer, it's like, does Crystal perish? Find out next week on The Real Watch What Happens Live. Go to Bravo. Go to bravotv.com for more information to see if Crystal's still with us because she's hooked up to the IV and they're playing dramatic music and then it just cuts off like a cliffhanger. Like they edit it like a cliffhanger. And I'm like, have you had enough of it? Cliffhanging, cliffhang, uh, something else besides these cast members passing away when they're, maybe it's not, maybe it's something more than that. But I do believe Crystal's maybe just a little dehydrated. She didn't have the coconut water with her on the cast trip and was like, okay, let me, uh, let me hook up to an IV. I don't know. It happens all the time. And Vicki Gunvalson, I think, really was the trailblazer for this. Because I remember a handful of seasons back, Vicki... I mean, many times I think Vicki Gunvalson has called the ambulance or the uh, the people working at the hospitals to come fetch her some uh, vitamin IVs. Because I feel like I've seen that woman carted off on an ambulance more times than I could count. And I don't think that anything's been wrong with her in any of those instances. So, I don't know. How many times has it happened with Vicki? Maybe it only happened once or twice. But in my head, I feel like... Once a season, Vicki Gunvalson has been taken off by an ambulance, and yet nothing has happened to her. She's been fine every time. And that's what makes her a good reality TV star. And so maybe Crystal was just looking to her foremothers, uh, Vicki Gunvalson, Meredith Marks, any of the gals who have perhaps uh, called an ambulance or a Real Houses Miami member. Somebody got a headache on that first reboot season of Miami. I felt like... <laughs> Didn't Julia like get a headache or something? And it was like the ambulance came and, and they tease it every week then on the, in the trailer and the coming attractions. It's like, uh oh, the ambulance is coming for Julia. And then we're so excited as the audience. We get to the episode. And it's like nothing fucking happened. Anyway, uh, what were we talking about? Okay. So that, yeah. So Beverly Hills, I don't know. I don't know. All the good Erica Jane stuff again, going to be in the spinoff. So I don't know about that. There was no real Dorit and PK of it all, which I feel like I was so excited about the Dorit and PK of it all. And now I feel like we're not going to get much of that. 
I'm kind of already over the Maurice and uh, Kyle and the Morgan situation, so I don't know. I don't know. And then, uh, speaking of trailers, we also got the Vanderpump Rules trailer. Vanderpump Rules is again, again coming back January 30th. We see a new woman who we do not know, which is kissing Schwartz and Katie. Have you seen this? So this woman's going after both of them. And you just know she wanted a piece of that scan of all money. I have no idea who this woman is. I do not know anything about her. And perhaps she's a really sweet gal, and I'm reading into this too much. But at least based on the trailer, I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, she's just making out with anybody. She's making out with Tom and Katie. Because in real life, does anyone really do that? You don't really start making out with a, a, a divorce couple. And it's so weird to be doing it on camera. It feels to me so like you're trying to get on the show or or even maybe the show is just trying to have that moment. I don't know. It just felt like weird to me. And then also we find out Shishi, Sheena Shea, apparently kissed Tom Schwartz in Las Vegas. Now, immediately when I saw this, this was the big shocking reveal for the trailer from the trailer for me. And so I hopped on social media and I said, Shishi, what's going on? I commented on her post for the trailer. I said, Shishi, we need to know. Why are we just finding out about this now? You've been on our TV screens. But if there's one thing I know about Sheena Shea, it's that she knows how to keep her spot on a reality TV program. Because there's been times I think that they might have fired Sheena or gotten rid of Sheena, and then she just claws her way back in there with them grippers, claws her way back on screen, and then delivers something. And here she is again. We're finding years later, apparently. I mean, we don't know when it happened. I'm assuming, my guess is that that Sheena kissing Tom Schwartz thing, I feel like that probably happened 100 years ago, right? Like, I, probably maybe season one, two, three, or maybe even before that. Uh, but it did apparently happen in Las Vegas. And I hopped on social media. I said, Shishi, what's going on here? Why are we just finding out about this? She says, she wrote back to me. She says, we were supposed to take it to the grave, but it's not exactly what you think. She said, you're supposed to take it to the grave, but it's not exactly what you think. So I do think it was meant to be a secret. And then maybe it was just accidentally revealed by Shula Schwartz on the episode or something. But I think it'll be a whole lot of nothing. I think that's like one of those trick things that they're making it seem like a big deal and it won't be. Could be wrong about that. Uh, but I don't know. I don't think it was when she was with Brock, though. I don't think it's like a recent thing. And and I do think it's good for her to bring this up on camera or someone to bring it up on camera, because otherwise, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's uh, so much room for all of these cast members. you got to find ways to keep it spicy and keep it going. And so there she goes. There she goes. But if it did happen recently or when Tom and Katie were married or anything like that, then it's going to be hard for Shishi to come back from that. It's going to be hard. And I, I don't want to turn on Sheena, but I also saw this interview that she did. I don't know where it was from some podcast or something. And she was like in tears. And I don't like to see my Sheena in tears, but she was in tears and she was crying. And she said, Ariana just does not know what I've been through. And like with Ariana doesn't know how hard this has been for me. And I was like, Sheena, <laughs> Sheena, this woman was just cheated on, uh, but with one of her friends and I know everyone's starting, I'm, I'm noticing people are starting, the opinion on Ariana is starting to turn, which is kind of unfortunate. And I do predict that by the end of the season, the audience is already going to be so over Ariana because I think they're going to edit it that way. I always say this, they take us on a roller coaster ride and Bravo's not going to have her be the darling of the network forever, I don't believe. So I'm sure by the end, we might feel differently about Ariana. And I'm already noticing people are, are just getting mad because she's got all these great endorsement deals and 
and all that stuff. And I think people are saying, like Lala does in the trailer for the new season of Vanderpump Rules, it, oh, like, oh, now she's a god because she was cheated on. And I think she's just sort of taking the opportunities she has coming to her and capitalizing off the moment. But of course, as an audience, we're looking at that as like, oh, you're making all this money off of a cheating scandal. Uh, and, you know, so I understand both sides of it, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. And, and, you know, I love Ariana, so I'm not saying that's my opinion. I just know how these shows work. I'm like, oh, God, by the end of this season, I bet you, I bet you everybody switches. Everybody switches. And I, and I kind of thought maybe they'd have one more season where everybody hates Tom and loves Ariana. But I don't know. I'm starting to think it's going to flip by the end. I think by the end. That's my prediction. By the end, the audience will like, uh, what's his name? The demon, <laughs> Sandoval, a little more. And dislike ariana a little bit more that's not what i'm that's not what i personally feel or want for this situation but i think the writing's on the wall the writing's on the wall what else happened on that uh yeah lala it seems like it seems like it's going to be a good season but i'm a little concerned that they do not have rachel with us anymore i think that storyline could have been juicier if we had her side of things and had her response and and because it happened last minute i always worry when there's like a last minute casting change, remember that happened with Bethany on the Real Houses of New York? It was like she quit a day before filming or a couple days before filming that second time. And I just think that screws up the dynamics of what was planned by production and by the other women. And so I, it worries me a little bit, but I will be watching every second for it of it. And I am rooting for Katie and Ariana to open up that sandwich shop. I love them. And, and so we're going to have to see. And I know people are also very critical about that sandwich shop. And believe me, no one wants to get a sandwich more than me. I fucking love a sandwich, uh, but uh, it is hard to open up a, a food place because there's so many rules and regulations. That's why I don't, I don't know why anyone would want to open up like a restaurant or some place that serves food because it seems like a fucking nightmare to me. Anyway, let's talk about Salt Lake City Housewives, shall we? Shall we get into it? I am on my way. I can Go the distance on it. <laughs> I don't care how far, somehow I'll be strong. I know every mile will be worth my while. Did you guys know Jimmy Cooper is the voice of Hercules in the Disney movie Hercules? He doesn't sing that song that I just played. They brought in another voice, the guy from Desperate Housewives, to sing. So back in the 90s, they always used to do that, where it was like somebody different sang the songs. And it was always a dream of mine then to be able to be in a Disney movie, because I thought, well, I can't sing for shit. But at least maybe I could do the voice and then they'd bring in someone who can sing. Remember they did that with Zac Efron, too. In the first High School Musical movie, it's not his voice singing, but he's the one getting all the credit. And that's the ideal way to work for me, for me, to not do any of the hard parts. It's like, I want to be the face of it, but I, then you don't have to do the hard parts, right? Like, just have somebody come in and sing, and then everybody thinks it's you. Or the movie Casper, you know, Devin Sawa plays Casper in human form in that movie from 1995. And he just shows up for two seconds at the end in human form, but he doesn't voice Casper. He doesn't play Casper. Some other young man played the voice of Casper. And then they brought in Devin Sawa to get the, be the face of Casper. And now Devin gets credit and we love Devin. I mean, nothing, that man, whew. Uh, but it, we love him, but he really didn't do much in Casper. And yet we all think of Casper and we're like, Oh, Devin Sawa. That's it. So that's the ideal way of working. So if anyone wants to hire me where I don't have to do the singing, like somebody else could do the sing, I'm, I'm open for business. I'm open for business. Uh, okay, Salt Lake City, we're already on episode 14. How are we on episode 14 already? They've been delivering week after week, in my opinion. 
I, Salt Lake City, I'm sorry. It's just, it's so good. It's so good. And it's Bermuda Day 2. Last week, we ended on Whitney and Heather feuding. I thought they did it to be continued and then just dropped it. Am I, was I wrong? I thought they did it to be continued last week. And then this week, it just opens on the next day. And I felt bamboozled by that. Because if you're going to give me the to be continued, then we're going to at least have to continue in the scene that we left off on. Does that make sense? It's like, don't leave me. And maybe I misread it or maybe I got it wrong. But I, I could have sworn they ended with it to be continued at the dinner table where Whitney and Heather were feuding. And so I expected to open back up on that dinner table. Instead, it's like morning time. And they're all getting ready. Uh, Meredith, you know, last week on the show, she was barely surviving. They didn't give her a tub. She was uh, dehydrated, um, air quotes. <laughs> she, was, <laughs> she was lacking some water, air quotes I'm doing. Um, but she, so she was a bit of a mess. And yet this week I saw her wake up. She looked happy as a clam. So they're all setting up for Monica's 39th birthday. And they are all pretending like they're setting up for this. But you guys, this birthday celebration, can we get into this? Because, okay, Heather is on camera setting up some like streamers or balloons or some like party city shit. And then uh, meanwhile, Monica's in the room and we find out it's Monica's birthday. Whitney goes to Monica's room while Heather's setting up this like makeshift party, which was truly like the saddest makeshift party I've ever seen because even while they were setting up, nobody was even concerned with like, was Monica going to come in while they were setting up the de- decorations? And ultimately, Monica did walk down to that outdoor patio porch thing while they were still hanging fucking streamers and nobody yelled a surprise or anything because they didn't give a shit because the other women, <laughs> the other women did not give a shit. But you know who else didn't give a shit is Whitney Wild Rose. And I'm sorry to say this, but she went to Monica's room and she gave Monica for her birthday, her 39th birthday. She came in with a little bag and it was a tank top that just said salty AF. Now let me tell you something. A producer handed Whitney Wild Rose that an hour before sending her into that room with a gift, because I do not believe, I will not be tricked into believing that Whitney even put any effort into this gift because it was just a tank top that said salty AF. And it, you guys, it was, it, I'm sorry to say this, Whitney Wilders, if you're listening, but I do believe it was wrinkled. That's right. I took a good hard look at that salty AF tank top and it looked wrinkled as shit to me. I feel like some producer had that in their bag or, or maybe like the hotel lobby had it. So one of producers went to that hotel lobby and was like, what do you got? And they were like, well, all of our stuff says like the hotel name on it. And the producer was like, well, do you have anything? And then the sales clerk was like, oh wait, let me go check the back. And they found this box of things that said salty AF. And my theory, this is again a theory. I don't know much. My theory is that maybe that hotel or wherever they were staying, the place that they were staying, they were workshopping some sort of new merch or new taglines for their resort or for their property. And one of those I think was salty AF, right? Because maybe there's salt water. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they sell saltwater taffy there. I'm not sure. Does Bermuda have saltwater taffy? I don't know. It's not Myrtle Beach, but either way, I think they were trying to workshop a new tagline. And so they got these salty AF shirts, or maybe they were workshopping like a new vendor for t-shirts for the merch shop at the resort grounds. And so they had like a wrinkled salty AF tank top. Again, completely white. Somebody could have made it there. A producer, a production assistant maybe just made that there because it was just the most basic of fonts. And it just said salty AF. It was $39 tops. $39. I don't believe that any place on this planet would sell that tank top for more than $39. And I hate to judge based on money of like 
people giving gifts because it's really the thought that counts. But when I looked at that salty AF tank top, I, I really thought the thought that counted to me was that there was not much thought behind it because it was fucking wrinkled. She couldn't even run a steam a steamer through that steam uh, or a iron. I you probably couldn't iron it because that thing would have fallen apart because that was the cheapest ass tank top I've ever seen. <laughs> You know how sometimes you get those cheap merch shirts? At everythingiconic.store, we sell like t-shirts and long sleeve shirts and stuff, but we worked hard to get like a good vendor so that the, the shirts are good quality. Because you know, sometimes you get those merch shirts, you go to a concert. I hate getting a concert t-shirt now. Because every time I go, I get a concert t-shirt. You put it in the wash one time, it disintegrates immediately. Or you, you wear it not even one time and then the letters are falling off of the of the thing. And so that salty AF, I don't even believe that you could have taken an iron to it. And a steam would have probably done the same thing. It would have just disintegrated. Like it was a paper doily on a, on a dinner table. Does anyone put doily? Are doilies still a thing? Is that even still a word in the dictionary? I haven't heard somebody say, I don't think I've ever said the word doily. And here I am saying in a million, but do doilies exist? Unclear. But the point is that thing was ready to disintegrate. And so I don't think that Whitney put any thought into that $39 tank top. Uh, but they had to give her a gift or something on camera. But I don't know. the whole Everything about this party, the setting up with the party, again, uh, Monica coming down to the party, and I don't know. And then they had a chef. They're like, oh, we got a good breakfast for you. But I kind of felt like the chef they had was just like the one they have for the resort the whole time. And it was set up for every meal. I don't think they were like making Monica's special meal. And then they were trying to trick us into thinking they were throwing some big party. I've seen a lot of Housewives birthday parties on these shows, and this one just felt so sad. I, I don't know. I don't know. And then it was so sad, so I was so taken aback when Monica started crying at that breakfast table, at the breakfast nook, because she said she's never had a birthday party like that. And here's the thing. You guys, here and everything iconic, I worry about what I say, because I never, I want everyone to have a good time, and I just want us to all ha-ha-hee-hee through these ridiculous shows. And sometimes I think I could come on this podcast and I say things that maybe cross a line, and I don't want to pretend I'm some mental health expert. And I worry sometimes I'll I'll diagnose someone when I have no room to diagnose anyone. I I don't know anything. I'm a big old dummy, and it's so inappropriate for me to say these things sometimes, which is why I feel really bad. So I'm not trying to say that Monica tries to destabilize the other women's opinions of her by making herself a perpetual victim. But I am implying it. Moving on, Monica is supposed to meet with the family. And we do see a flashback to Monica in therapy. Apparently, the mom uh, contacted the Bermuda family about coming there. But then later in the episode, Monica thinks that the mom called the family and said, don't do it. It's all very confusing. And it's, of, of course, a loose thread to even get these women to Bermuda because, again, the rest of the cast hates Monica. And it's clear. It's clear to me. But I don't think they know how to navigate that. But they do not care for her. And we know in real time, none of the women like her because I don't think they follow her. And there was a big, everything that I've heard about the reunion, it's like everybody versus Monica, apparently, allegedly. And so it's weird. It's kind of strange to me. But the way they all went to Bermuda for Monica's meeting of her family, but then they just sort of met this Monica woman. It's like when you really take a step back and think about in real life terms, if you just met some woman or you just became friends with some woman and she was like, let's go to Bermuda to meet my family, you would kind of probably not go, right? <laughs> like, like, I don't know, especially if you don't maybe like the woman. Um, so it is weird that they even went to Bermuda, but I'm glad they're there. And I'm glad they're there because they're also doing a pirate theme. 
And I love, I love a costume party on these shows, although they didn't all dress up in costume because Lisa's contribution to the pirate theme was just her hoop earrings. She said, <laughs> I don't like costumes. So my contribution to the pirate theme is hoop earrings. And that's all she's interested. She's not doing a costume party. And I, I'm on Lisa Barlow's side with that. Don't invite me to a costume party. I don't want to go to fucking costume. I don't want to wear the fucking costume. Just let me wear whatever the fuck I want. I, I'm fine with the theme. Give me a theme, but don't make me wear a costume. Because at this point, these women are just throwing money away at the party city. And on these shows, every episode, I have to do a costume like a pirate theme. And I'm sure they just want to wear their designer clothes. They want to wear their, or I should say their off-brand designer clothes. Or their, their um, uh, what's it called when the designer, it's like the, the knockoff ones. But that's what they want to wear. They want to wear their Versace bathing suits and their Cyclops sunglasses on camera. They don't want to be dressing like a fucking pirate. And then, meanwhile, Monica looked like um, Jack Sparrow in the end of the episode. She at least got into full theme. But Elisa Barlow and uh, Meredith Mark. Meredith, I don't, what the what was Meredith doing? How What was her contribution to the theme? Ah, <laughs> oh, Meredith, you guys, is making me crack up lately. Just cracking me up, that woman. Um, okay, so what else is going on? Monica invites Lisa to meet her family in Bermuda before the family Bermuda portion of the trip gets canceled, which was shocking to me. She invited Lisa! Lisa? What? I cannot believe that, you guys. Inviting Lisa? I thought they hated each other. The loyalties on the show are switching left and right. It's giving me Salt Lake City whiplash. And then Monica tells Lisa, there's this Greek mafia thing that came up last week on the show. And uh, it's a little confusing, but apparently there are DMs from a burner account with 16 followers. And they showed this DM that Monica got from someone with 16 followers. And at first I thought, why is anyone even opening an account with 16 followers? Because you shouldn't. Obviously, if you're a cast member on a reality show and somebody is in your DMs with 16 followers, it's going to be fishy business. And so I immediately knew it was fishy business before they even told me it was fishy business. I thought that's fishy business. But then also I was like thinking the logistics of it. When Monica got the DM, the show wasn't even airing. So it's like, why was she getting, I mean, it had to have been Meredith, right? Because why would Monica, I don't even know if it was announced that she was going to be joining the show, but why would some stranger just reach out to Monica? I don't know. It's all very clearly Meredith. (laughs) But I, I mean, I'm glad for it. I'm glad that Meredith's doing it. She's spicing up the show, so good for her. Got to do what you got to do on these shows. Uh, but I do believe, my in my truth, I do believe that Meredith or Brooks or Seth or somebody in that area might have set up a burner account. And bless them for it, because thank you. We needed it. We needed it, Brooks, and so I salute you. And I'm grateful. Or Seth, or I don't know who the fuck did it, but somebody did it. And whoever it is, we thank you uh, for your services. But it is inappropriate. And you probably shouldn't throw out accusations about Angie K being in the Greek mafia. And even when that accusation came up, the producers flashed footage of Angie K trying to get on this flamingo pool float. And it was so funny. It was so funny. It was like, yeah, okay. Angie K is the least uh, intimidating person I think I've ever seen on one of these shows. And so the idea that she's some scary person or something or, or in some sketchy, I don't know. I'm just like, okay, but I love it. I love watching it. Um, then we have, let's see, they do a car ride because they're going to, where were they going? They were going to, was it the jet skis? Yeah. On the way to the jet skis, when they got in that car or the van, uh, this was, this was actually very shocking. Angie K, did you catch this? They get, they're going to the jet skis in Bermuda and they get in that big ass van 
And we know how all this stuff happens in the Sprinter van. But I, this was like a little bit of a different Sprinter van. It was like a, I don't know, it was different. But so they got in, I went on the edge of my seat thinking, uh-oh, what's going to happen here? And then something did happen, but it wasn't exactly what I expected. It was Angie Kay. She suggested they all do a rap battle. Did you hear that? Did you guys hear it? Yeah. Angie Kay got on there and she's like, let's do a rap battle. Now, let me just remind you who's in this cast. It's Meredith Marks, Heather Gay, Lisa Barlow, Whitney Wilder. I mean... Who's rapping? This isn't Eight Mile. Like, what do we need to hear Meredith Marks rapping for? Like, I thought it was so strange that Angie Kay's like, let's do a rap battle. <laughs> and I'm all for these shows doing different things. I don't want to see the fucking goat yoga or the Great Gatsby party one more goddamn time. So the fact that we're getting different activities is a good thing. But it just, and maybe they should have done it. I wish they would have done it. It would have been good TV. Instead, we moved on to sex talk, and they're asking about Heather Gay's daughters having sex. Monica's mad that Heather Gay's not talking about the daughter. I'm like, I would never talk about my children in that way. I never. Of course Heather Gay don't want to talk about the daughter having sex. Do you imagine your parents going on national television, national fucking TV, and talking about your sex life? No, ma'am. And when Monica was mad about that, I was like, what's going on? Uh, But I was shocked that it was even a storyline, because of course... The daughter's not on the show. She's not a main cast member. She might appear a couple times in Heather's scenes, but I don't think the daughter is like a paid cast member. You know, so there's a big difference. Uh, and I know Monica, obviously, when it comes to family drama on the show, she doesn't have a whole lot of boundaries because I'm seeing that play out on Twitter, Instagram. I'm seeing there, every time, every second she's got a fight with that mom, Linda. Uh, every second Monica's got a problem with the mom, she's posting about it on social media. And then the mom's clapping back and then the mom's posting new stuff. It's like dark sided. Love watching it, but it's like pretty, it's like maybe some of that stuff you should keep to yourself. Now, I've written two books about my family, and yet I know there's boundaries because it's like certain things. I'm watching Monica and the mom post on social media or on, happen on the show. I'm like, you guys, cool it. Uh, but I don't even have much time to focus on that because uh, there is this um, confessional look by Angie K that every time it shows up, it's like an animal print top with a very aggressive cross uh, cross statement necklace and updo. It's sort of, if you aren't familiar with the look I'm talking about, it sort of looks like if Lisa Renna dressed up as Shania Twain in the Don't Impress Me Much music video. It sort of looks like that. Okay. So you're my cybersecurity team. That don't impress me much. (laughs) Then, uh, let's see, we do the jet skis. There's some awkward small talk on the van. And then this is, this was weird when there was small talk on the van. They were talking about, I don't know, Lisa Barlow's honey stick or something. And then Monica looks at her phone and then she gets a text or something and she runs out. She has a panic attack, which are the worst. I mean, I felt bad. Panic attacks are the worst. And Lisa is the one who goes after her and said, uh, what's going on? And they're in the, they're in a bathroom stall and the camera person is like behind the bathroom stall and they're just showing footage of Lisa and Monica's hooves. You're just seeing their feet. It's like just a foot shot. I mean, there was a lot of feet action. (laughs) And I just wonder if like, um, you know, the Bravo HQ was on the line and they're like, okay, we need some footage. Like Monica's freaking out in the bathtub or bathroom. And they're like, get on in there, get in the bathroom. And then, you know, the camera people run into the bathroom and they're like, we can't get the shot. They locked the bathroom stall. And then I just imagine someone on like a red phone, Andy Cohen on a red phone, like just shoot their feet, shoot their feet. (laughs) like they've done too many shots of the back of the door. So they're like, get low, shoot the feet, get the hooves, and then we'll subtitle it. And so they were just like a long ass shot of just their feet. And it was (laughs) normally (laughs) dramatic music over it. Again, normally they would just shoot the outside of the door, 
But these camera people, I mean, they went rogue and they just got close to the ground. They stopped, dropped and rolled and got footage of their feet and their hooves while they were having this talk in the bathroom stall in Bermuda. But it was so funny to me because there had to have been some thought that went into getting their feet instead of just the back of the door. And think about it, you guys, a producer or somebody had to get, I'm imagining them horizontal on that floor. And a bathroom stall, you guys, you don't want to go anywhere near, you don't want to, I don't even want to put shoes on a bathroom stall, public bathroom floor. They're disgusting. I don't even want to go in there with shoes on, let alone, remember there's that thing, wasn't there a story from BravoCon last year that Amanda from Summerhouse was like running through bathrooms without any shoes or socks on? Yes, <laughs> what the fuck? I'm sorry, that is disgusting. And I hope that I, they put a towel down or something. for If the camera person had to get on the ground like that, horizontal, in a public restroom, I hope they put a towel, a blanket or something. I don't know, or cleaned it with some, maybe Lisa had some fresh wolf product, could have cleaned the floor first or something, because I feel bad. They already do so much for us, those Bravo uh, production editors, camera people, and then having to go horizontal on a public bathroom. Nuh-uh. Mm-mm. They better give them a raise. Andy. I need to get on that red phone and call up Daddy Andy and say, get him a raise. Whoever was on that bathroom floor getting the shot of the hooves, give him a raise. Because it's disgusting, a public bathroom. Have to shoot the hooves. I don't know. But Monica, is she does think the mom fucked up the situation with their family and going to see the family. And But then I just saw on social media that Monica revealed that it wasn't. And I know I keep referencing Monica's social media, and but I have to say, I don't even follow her or the mom. But it keeps showing up everywhere. They're airing it all out, and I'm eating it up, apparently, because I know about it all. But anyway, apparently the mom said, Monica said on social media yesterday or today or whatever, that the mom didn't, but she felt like in the moment the mom did. None of it makes sense to me. But they do get back on the bus and get this. Oh, my God. You guys, last week on the podcast, was I not just talking? Those of you listening to the podcast know that I was just talking, maybe last week or the week before, about how when you're on the freeway, you always look out the side of the road and you always see one shoe. And wasn't I saying on this podcast, I said, how does a one shoe get missing? And then where's the other shoe? How does somebody lose one shoe? And then here we are in the real Salt Lake City this week. And Monica gets back on that bus after having that situation in the stall. And she said, uh, I'm, I lost a shoe. She says, I'm shoeless. And I thought, okay, so Monica's the type of person who's losing one shoe. Apparently, she was in that bathroom stall. I don't know, did get when they were leaving that bathroom stall, did it get caught on the camera person, and then she lost one shoe? Like, how do you keep walking with just one shoe? I just think you would notice. I'm not saying I notice everything. You know, I could be clumsy. I could be in my own little world sometimes, not paying attention to my surroundings. And yet, if I'm walking and one shoe just falls off in the middle of walking, I'm going to be like, hey, I lost my fucking shoe. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> I'm not going to, like, get too far. I'm going to maybe, I'd say maybe one step. You maybe, I give someone two steps, two steps tops before you realize you're missing one shoe but after walking in a public restroom. In a public restroom, actually, I don't even know if I'd give one step, but we'll give Monica the benefit of the doubt because she was going through a panic attack and having some situation with the family, family. But I don't believe that anyone under any circumstances is walking more than one or two feet without, with only one shoe on and not realizing it. So Monica walked all the way to the bus and then got to the, or the sprinter or whatever the fuck that was, that machine they were all in. And she said, where's my other shoe? Where's my shoe? And I was like, Monica, how do you, how do people lose a shoe? What's going on with people? Don't you, do you not, maybe if you didn't feel your foot or something, 
I don't know, but that's strange to me. But I feel bad. Monica's saying, no, I feel like nobody wants me. And then it, she's sad, and I feel sad for her. I don't know. I feel I, it's sad. I mean, what she's saying is sad. And, and Whitney then, of course, Whitney was very sweet. I have to give Whitney credit because she's very sweet. When Monica was saying, like, I feel like nobody wants me. I feel like nobody wants me here. Nobody wants me in general. And Whitney went over, and Whitney saw an opening for a dramatic moment, and she took it. But it was still very nice. She says, Monica... And she, but she delivered it like very seriously. She goes, Monica, I want you here. And it was, it was, she was trying to win that. She was aiming for the Emmy. She was. And honestly, give it to her. Give it to her. Give Whitney Wilde Rose the Emmy because she, that line reading when she said, Monica, Monica, I want you here. It was like very heavy. I mean, Meryl wishes because that was who Monica, that's who Whitney Wilde Rose was channeling was Meryl Streep. Monica, I want you here. I even maybe thought I heard like a voice crackle or something. Monica, I want you here. You know, Whitney Wilde Rose is always looking for a dramatic moment. And she finds an in and she takes it. She grabs it by the balls and she says, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. (laughs) I don't know why I heard grabbing something by the balls and saying, I'm doing it. It's making me laugh. Um, Okay. Monica, I want you here. Okay, I'll stop. Production then uh, takes the gals to a place, a beach, where they have seven lawn chairs set up and some sandwiches. And when they arrive, everybody, Lisa Barlow's like, oh my God, Heather, you, did, you thought of everything. Like, what did she think about? She, there's some sandwiches there that production left on the beach. <laughs> it was like craft service was set up on the beach and they had seven lawn chairs or however many lawn, lawn chairs for these women on a beach. And they were acting like Heather just organized this as like some big event party. I was like, she's giving you sandwiches. Not, nothing wrong again i love a sandwich but these it, it wasn't like a big to do i didn't think but they were all it wasn't just lisa it was like oh my god heather you did it you did it you did it great job and then <laughs> they're all sitting around they uh, eventually play mary fuck hill with the husbands mary uh meredith says she would mary fucking kill seth which was made me laugh that was good and then although it did sort of step on heather gay's joke did you notice this because Meredith, that was the she was the first one to go, and she said, "I'd marry, fuck, and kill my husband." And I thought, like, that's really quick witted and smart thing to say, and and also a good way to get out of the game and make it fun and whatever. But then later, uh, later it got to Heather Gay, and I think Heather Gay said something like very similar to that, and sort of ruined it ruined that moment. But you know, Heather Gay thought of that, and she's like, "Should I still should I still say it?" And then she did, and I just felt bad because that's happened to us all before, right? You get a good joke in your head and then somebody says it first and you're like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Heather probably wanted to... (laughs) Heather was probably so fucking pissed at Meredith in that moment. Probably more than anything they've ever thought about was like Meredith stole her joke that she thought of. And and I don't think Meredith purposely did it, but you know. Um, Anyway, when they're playing it, Lisa says she's not... She ain't gonna say. She's not telling it. She said, I love fucking John. Excuse my language, but that's what she said. And then they're like, no, you have to play the game. Like, you have to tell us somebody else's husband you want to fuck. You know, they're like, tell us which one of our husbands you want to fuck. And they were getting mad about it. And I don't know that, I I don't know. I don't know that I'd want to play Mary Fuck Hill with other friends and talking about their significant others because they all know each other. To me, that's like a little bit strange. And again, I'm all for the sex talk. I mean, I, uh, who doesn't love to get on their knees? Ladies, am I right? I mean, I'm here to talk about it as, until I'm blue in the face or till, uh, you know, something's in my face. But I do not care for the fact that they're all sitting around talking about each other's husbands because I'm like, that's too close to home. You know, we talk about other people. Finally, though, Lisa did say, she said, yeah, I'd fuck Idris Elba. And who among us wouldn't? 
Who among us wouldn't? But she had that answer right at the ready. And that's why I love Lisa Barlow. Um, but Lisa does pull Angie aside and they walk along the beach in their matching Versace. Lisa tells Angie that Meredith thinks she's in the Greek mafia. And then Angie says, well, if I was, I would own that because the Greek mafia is cool. And then there's this whole thing about Lisa Barlow and the SEC filings that came up last year. And Lisa believes that Meredith was behind all of that. And now she thinks it again. She says, Meredith said the same thing last year about getting these documents and the DMs and all that stuff. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. that. Uh, obviously, I don't know how else to say it. I do believe that there's a lot of truth to that. And maybe I'm wrong. Again, what the fuck do I know? I don't want anyone coming after me. It's, suddenly, somebody's going to start sending out DMs about me, I'm sure, from some 16-follower burner account. So I don't, I don't want them all mad at me. But it is probably true. Okay, so then, um, let's see. They get ready for the... Oh, no, they don't get ready yet for the pirate dinner. Uh, before that, we do see Whitney Wild Rose reading Bad Mormon on the beach. She says she's a reader. She likes the thriller novels. So good for her. I love I love a housewife who's a reader. I do. Bryn from The Real House in New York said she's a reader. And now we're finding out Whitney Wild Rose is a reader. I just, I love when someone's a reader. And if you are a reader, get my new book, The Jolliest Bunch. It makes a great holiday gift available now. Amazon's got it for $15 or something at the moment. So get it, pick it up, get an audiobook. Okay, uh, but I do love a reader. And so I'm proud of I'm proud of Whitney Wild Rose, I suppose, for being able to read, which sounds like I'm, I'm uh, being rude. But really, I mean that because a lot of these housewives, I don't know that they can't. Or they, you know, they're busy. They're busy. And I know people, I always say that, and I know people are busy. And I don't have kids, so I have all the time in the world to read. I just was up late last night watching A Very Merry Muppet Christmas. <laughs> and I thought to myself, wow, if I had kids right now, I don't know. Maybe if I had older kids, I'd watch with them. But the idea that I was just, it was like two in the morning, and I'm watching like a made-for-TV Muppet Christmas special. It wasn't even like the popular Muppet one. It wasn't even Muppet Christmas Carol. It was like this other one that I... I have found on the dark web and I was watching it and I love it, but I was like middle of the night or something. I'm watching, I'm thinking, wow, if I had a kids or something, I don't know if I've had the time to do this. And so I understand moms are moms and dads are busy. Uh, Okay. So then um, we do have Angie and Monica because Angie goes to Monica's room and Angie says, look, I know it's your birthday, but I heard this thing and I want to just get some clarity on it about Meredith and the DMS. And Monica's like, yeah, that happened. And she gives her more information about it. And then, uh, Monica literally says to Angie in the moment to like bring it up at the pirate dinner because Angie's like I know it's your birthday and Monica's like no it's okay like bring it up like Mon- <laughs> that's a good housewife it's a good housewife then we do see Monica calling the daughter I think the daughter is it Brie and I love the daughter seems like a wonderful Monica seems like I, I think she did a great job seems like a great mom because this daughter I do have some concerns uh, in general about Monica and her mom but it seems like Monica and the daughter are and good good i'm so i'm proud of that i'm proud of that um but the daughter does comfort the mom then uh we have this uh pirate music as they all <laughs> pirate music you guys they found <laughs> now all of these shows they always get the royalty free music right like they will score the shit out of these shows but usually we get like the dramatic score or sometimes we get you know the music where it's like a little bit comedic Sometimes on the younger shows, like the Vanderpump Rules, we get the the songs or where it's like lyrics and they will buy these songs and they'll be like, I'm running through LA. You know, when we're in Vanderpump Rules, it'll be some terrible pop song that they play in the background, right? 
but very rarely do we get like a pirate score. And so when they started playing that pirate music as the gals were getting ready, I thought we're in a good place on housewives in life and in general, because they're playing pirate fucking music and they're all getting ready and putting on their pirate outfits. Whitney tried to put a G string on her face. She, she thought it was an eye patch. I wish they had that footage because Whitney wild Rose thought a, the G string was the eye patch. And then also like, where did she get that outfit? Was it from like, um, what was that store for lovers? We used to have <laughs> you guys back in the day. I don't even know if this exists, but when I, I used to work in a factory. I don't think I've ever really talked much about this, but I used to work in a factory in Northeast Ohio. And I remember one of the companies uh, was, it would, we would manufacture bath and body products and all sorts of uh, filled bath and body products, not bath and body works, just like soaps and shampoos and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, there used to be a place, I think it was Northeast Ohio called ambiance or something store for lovers. Like that was the, maybe it still exists out there, but anyone from the Midwest might remember hearing on the radio, like ambiance, a store for lovers and the tagline. I don't think a store for lovers was like in the name of the establishment, but I think that might've been the tagline. It was like a store for lovers and honestly, I hope it still exists. And I might need to hop online, maybe get some holiday specials for Matt. I don't know. Go to the store for lovers. See if it still exists. Ambiance. Ambiance. Ambiance is how you say it, right? Um, anyway, that must be where Whitney Wildrose got this outfit. Because I thought, who's selling pirate outfits with a G-string? I mean, I'm not sure. I know on Halloween, we people dress in slutty outfits and costumes. But I didn't know they sold a slutty pirate. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. Was it around Halloween when they filmed this? Unclear. Anyway, then we have the dinner. Watching them all get to this dinner and go into a cave, Meredith with that heeled pump or whatever she was wearing on her feet. It was cool. I don't know that I'd want to eat there. I'd feel like I'd get a little claustrophobic, but I was. it was cool. And they all get their drinks. Meredith gets hot tea. The rest get their dark and stormies. Uh, Monica says she was sex shamed on the bus because when they were talking about sex and none of them want to answer. This was weird too. When they were sitting around the table and Monica says, when's the last time you all had sex? Here's where I think the other women were uncomfortable because it didn't feel like it was brought up like in a fun, like let's have, we're already talking about fun. We're loose. We're having a good time. And then the sex talk comes up. It felt like almost when Monica brought that up, it was like, who, when's the last time you had sex? That's the kind of vibe I got from it. So of course they're all like, okay, we got to answer this, but none of them wanted to answer. And ultimately I think they all lied because I don't believe it. I don't, I think they were all lying. The way they were saying it was like, oh, it happened right before I left. And it was like, (laughs) every last one of them was like, "Uh, it happened uh, one hour before I got on the plane. And I'm like, there's no way you were getting your fucking G-string pirate outfit ready. And you were just fucking the husband right before you hopped in the Sprinter van on the way to the airport. Like, I don't believe that. And yet they all, every last one of them was like, yep, right while I was packing. And I was like, there's no way. There's no way. It just felt too convenient. And for them all to say the same thing, I think Meredith switched up a little bit. She's like, well, Seth, well, Seth left a couple of days earlier. So right before he left, and I'm like, this is all, you're all lying. You're lying right to my face. Uh, but Monica said, I sort of forgot that Monica's even married. She was, she's not divorced yet because he won't sign the papers. And to me, that's just disgusting. Sign the papers. I don't know who this man is, this demon, but sign the fucking papers if you want to get a divorce, just get a divorce. Sign the goddamn papers. I don't, I mean, and I have no room to talk because I don't know what it's like to go through a divorce, but it just seems like if I was going through a divorce, I'd just sign whatever you put in front of me just to get rid of the person because I'm ready to get out of it. If I'm ready to get out, I'm getting out. I'm not going to just linger on with papers. And 
I don't know. And what are they, are they fighting over money or something? Like what is it that they're fighting over? Because it doesn't, I, I could be completely off base here, but I don't know that there's like a lot of assets to divide. I guess they have, they have kids, so it's different. Maybe that's the thing that's taken a while. Yeah, that's probably it. I just probably just convinced myself because obviously it's not assets because I think we've all can deduce that. Okay. Um, Heather and uh, Monica, they argue over how single they both are. And Monica gets mad. She's like, I'm sing- I'm just as single as you. And Heather's like, you're not as single as me. And they're just fighting like, oh, who's the more single one? And I've seen that argument play out at many a dinner parties. So as they're arguing over who's the more single person, Heather says, shut the fuck up. She says to Monica, she says, like Whitney said to me last night. And Monica's like, wow. And I think this is the real turning point for their relationship. It's all downhill from here. I think that was the real, that was the point where Monica's like, oh, fuck this person. She's going to, she's pissed. She is pissed. So she's going to find that burner account. And we're going to get some DMs about other gay, I think, because I do believe that this is the point where Monica's real pissed at Heather. And it's a little fight in the context of this episode, but I do feel like this is the turning point. Um, But before we can even really dive too much into that dynamic, we do have Angie K switching topics. So she says, I actually want to take the heat off the two of you. And so Meredith, she says, you have yet again come for me. And so Angie's about to confront Meredith, but first she's got a wetter whistle, she says, because she, (laughs) Angie K's getting a little nervous because I think, I don't think it's Angie being nervous about what she's about to say to Meredith. I think she's a new housewife. She's on camera and she knows like all eyes are on her. This is her moment in the sun to shine on camera. And so she's like, she says, I'm going to wet my whistle because it's a lot of information. And then she has to drink some of the wine. Then she says, you're accusing me of doing fraudulent things, that I'm in the Greek mafia. Saying I'm in the mafia and being fraudulent? Can a Greek person not be successful? Angie K says. And then Meredith just says, I have never made these claims in my life. And then, and it all gets messy from here because then Monica says that she found out Angie owes one hundred seventy five thousand to the IRS. She says uh, we talked about it, Meredith. Meredith's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then Whitney's like, Well, it's pretty obvious, Meredith, that you're doing this behind the scenes. And they basically all agree. All of them are in agreement. I think maybe Heather's sort of uh, stuck up for Meredith in the confessional, but mostly at this dinner table, they're all like, Yeah, Meredith does that. Like, yeah. And they are all tired of it. And Lisa's the one who's really vocalizing it. But they were all kind of nodding along. I think Whitney said, yeah, you do that. And and Heather, just her lips were zipped. She's like, I'm not saying anything because I know it's true. But And Meredith also, I, the reason why I think it was true is because the way that Meredith was reacting to the accusation. Now, it, this is a tricky this is a tricky thing. This is a tricky thing because I think if Meredith would have overreacted to the situation, we would have all said, oh, doth protest too much, right? You're obviously guilty if you're so upset of someone making this accusation. But on the flip side of the coin, the way that she was so uninvested in these accusations made me feel like they were real. Like, I felt like, okay, this is totally just me being armchair psychologist, but I, psychiatrist, I thought that Meredith was thinking in her head I can't react because then it makes me look like I'm guilty. So then she was trying so hard not to react. Then it went all the way back around to guilty. Does that make sense? That's how I took it. That's how I, and I don't know. And I don't, I don't know. Uh, but then Angie says to her in regards to that IRS claim, she says, Google me, bitch. I do millions of dollars of business. And then Lisa says, Meredith, like we're done. Did it to Mary. You did it to Jen. You did it to Lisa. And we've seen it happen too many times. She says, I'm living, I'm going to get my cybersecurity team on the fucking line. I am on my way. I can Go 
the distance on it. So she's going to go the distance on that with the cybersecurity team. And as Lisa's getting really mad, she's realizing, like, I need a piece of bread or something. So she calls the gentleman, the server. She says, hey, Crossman, I need some bread. And then the producers show on the screen that that's not his name. <laughs> I love when they do that. I love it. Uh, and then what else happens? That's um end of the episode. Lisa says if one more DM shows up, she's going to get the same security. And then uh, Heather thinks that Meredith... Oh, this is what Heather said in the confessional. She says she does think Meredith stirs the pot, but not at that level. Which I think was Heather like being nice, but also kind of saying to us, like, yeah, she probably did that, you know? <laughs> Like, I think that was Heather's way of, like, defending her friend and and lying a little bit on camera. But I think she was trying to say, like, yeah, I can't sit here and say that Meredith did that. Um, So instead, I'll say that Meredith stirs the pot, but not on that level. But really, I think Heather was saying, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like, guess what? I do believe this, but I can't say it on camera because otherwise Meredith will come after me in the DMs with people on their burner account and whatever. And so she's got to be smart. And so we are proud of Heather for that. She's got to be smart. She's got to play chess while everybody else is playing checkers. So she's not going to have to necessarily tell the truth in a confessional. If that means that Meredith Marks is going to start spreading lies about her, because as it stands, I don't believe that Meredith Marks has sent any DMs about Heather Gay. So Heather Gay is like, let me sit in that fucking confessional chair and lie my ass off to protect Meredith because I need it. Because otherwise, I'm fucked. And so she's smart to do that, but I do think she was lying directly to her faces. Anyway, next week on the show, we have Angie uh, does, oh, this was, woo, woo, this was tough. Uh, Did you see in the coming attractions next week? I'm sorry to even have to say this, but we do see in the coming attractions for next week that Angie K does a makeshift hula with Whitney's hair. That's right. She just puts Whitney's, I believe, hair extensions or some, some sort of, Whitney hair, Whitney Wildrose hair care, Whitney Wildrose hair care. What's that Kenya Moore hair care slogan or the, the, you know, that when Kenya Moore and the Real Selena <laughs> brought in the band at Marla's place and was like, Kenya Moore hair care. I feel like Whitney Rose, it doesn't have the same ring to it. It just doesn't. Anyway, she does the Hulu, Hula, Hulu, Hula with Whitney's hair. And so that was tough. And then it seems like Meredith gets in a fight with everybody. We get Whitney versus Heather. It looks like, I don't know. Salt Lake City, it's just, it's on another level. And honestly, I mentioned Emmys earlier. Give them all Emmys because it's just too good. It's too good. And it's making me feel just, it's, I'm feeling like I'm in the holiday spirit because of it. That's right. Get on your feet. It's the holiday. It's like putting me in such a good mood watching these shows lately. They're all, I feel like, pretty good. I know I was shitting on uh, Real Houses Beverly Hills earlier in that mid-season trailer. But honestly, it's a pretty good season. And so I, I was just shitting on it, but I've actually been having a good time watching every week. And so I'm sorry that we're not getting into the ins and outs of this week's episode of The Real House of Beverly Hills. I wasn't able to see it before recording this week, um, but uh, I did at least get to watch that mid-season trailer. And so I, know, I think we'll have one more new episode of the podcast next week. And then, of course, we have our ho- it'll be a little holiday break because it's the holidays. Do not get mad at me. I will not... Uh, be I will be off for maybe a week or two around Christmas and New Year's. I'll try to maybe put a new episode in the feed, but I don't know exactly what our schedule will be through New Year's because, as you all know, I love Christmas. I'm going to be enjoying my holiday a little bit, but I think we'll have a brand new episode, I think, next week for sure. And then I'm sure there'll be one or two around the 
thanks or around Christmas and New Year's. And then I also have a holiday movie podcast. If you want, I do recaps of holiday movies with my friend Jenna. And that podcast is called A Very Merry Iconic Podcast. And we're covering movies like Little Women. Next week on the show, we're covering the Jim Carrey Christmas Carol, which is the most crazy fucking movie I've ever seen in my life. Like the visuals in that are so fucking aggressive. It's the, <laughs> it's truly, I mean, I'm sorry to say, it's the same technology that was used for the Polar Express. Did you guys see that movie? Where all the children look like demons? And I'm like shocked that anybody likes the Polar Express. Like it surprises me every time. We did, we recapped that on that podcast a couple years ago, a couple seasons ago. And I heard from people because I said that's the ugliest fucking movie I've ever seen. And I heard from a lot of you who were like, Oh, I love the Polar Express. And I'm like, what? Like, did you watch it? Did you, did you close your eyes when you watched it? Because it is terrifying. The visuals in that are so ugly. And I can't even imagine that any youthful child would watch that and not get immediate nightmares. Immediate. With I'm talking nightmares while you're still awake. Because the visuals in The Polar Express and uh, later in A Christmas Carol, and I can't even imagine the studio just keeps giving that man money to make movies like that. Because, And I love Robert Zemeckis, who directed it, but it's like, who's giving him these budgets to make that ugly-ass movie? Because I'm looking at these characters, and I'm saying, get them off my screen, because I'm getting scared. These are Halloween films, and yet he's making Christmas movies, Polar Express, Christmas Carol with Jim fucking Carrey, the Grinch. I mean, he is, Jim Carrey's the Grinch, and you're making him look like the Christmas Carol, Jim Carrey? It's unacceptable. And so, anyway, if you want recaps of these kinds of movies, just go to A Very Merry Iconic Podcast. We've been putting some of the episodes in the Everything Iconic feed, but anyway, I want to thank ACAST. I'm going to play my interview with Matt Rogers. I hope you stick around and listen to it. I'll put it up on the YouTube channel. I love Matt. Get his new holiday album. Stream it on Spotify. And uh, we talk a lot about Bravo stuff, too, so if you're into Bravo, we get into that, and Matt's great. So uh, support his new album and listen to his podcast, Las Culturistas, that he hosts with Bo and Yang. He's also on tour, so go get tickets to see him and and uh, I love you all so much for listening. Thank you. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We have lots of merch available, and we ship usually within a day or two of um, ordering from everythingiconic.store. So if you want signed copies of my books, you can get them there, or the books are available at every bookstore or online at Target, Amazon, Walmart, all those places. So uh, the Jolliest Bunch is the new one. Everythingiconic.store for t-shirts and it's all happening, temporary tattoos and all that kind of good stuff. And with all that said, enjoy the chat with Matt Rogers. Love you all. Bye-bye. Look, the weather's getting warmer. You got to ditch the jackets, the sweaters, and you got to put on some shorts and tees. And if you're anything like me, you hate getting all the new stuff. But luckily, I've found Quince, and Quince makes it so easy uh, to get clothes. I used to waste my money on clothes that would only last one season. That was until I found out about Quince. Now I've got high-quality pieces that never go out of style that I'll be wearing year after year. Quince has all of the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos. Those are my personal favorite. I always love getting new polos for the summertime, and they have a fantastic selection. I'm very particular about the collar, and I love the collar on the performance polos that I got. They also have versatile flow-knit activewear, and the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes, which I love. Feel good about shopping with them. Now, again, I got those polos, but I also got some shorts, some t-shirts, just some basics that I can wear year-round. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to Quince.com slash iconic for free shipping on your order and 300 365-day returns. That's Quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E 
com slash iconic to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash iconic. Ah, oh, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, we use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. All right, I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like I love checking out real estate listings, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was a pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. I'm here with Matt Rogers, the Prince of Christmas. Matt has a new album out. Matthew, how are you today? I love that you call me Matthew. Is this is a that thing okay? Because it's totally fine and you've asked before and I've said it is. Okay. Is this because you call your lover Matthew? Yeah, I, I like, um, I'm a big fan in general of like extend, like someone's proper name. I don't know. I think there's something fun about it. You like Daniel? No, I don't like Daniel, but I like calling other people that. Does that make sense? You like being sort of in the power position when it comes to other people's names. You, it's, you're, um, it's almost like you're like Sutton in that you can give it, but you can't take it. Wait, what are you thinking of Sutton? Let's just get into that right now. I, I think this is an unpopular opinion, but I'm team Kyle on this one. Like, right. it just feels like this idea that I can't believe we're already getting into it. But like, I know, I'm yeah. sorry. We're going to talk about the album uh, and no, everything. Don't no, worry. It's fine. I've been talking about the album ad nauseum. You know why I'm here. And by the um, way, I'm asking you about Joy Behar in a second, too, because that's one of the things I'm most excited about talking to you. But, but go so to Sutton first. funny. Okay, we'll get to it. But in terms of Sutton and Kyle, like... This idea that Kyle doesn't share, she's been sharing for 13 years. She's been on this show for a really long time. We've seen the good, the bad, the ugly with Kyle. We literally saw her 
out her sister for her alcoholism on television season one. Like, we've seen the ups and downs with her family that she's obviously close to for years. Like, the the thing about Kyle not sharing about her relationship is because it's never been in jeopardy like this before. Mm. Like, now it's actually in trouble. And also, like... Sutton doesn't realize this right now, but we're seeing Kyle's life. We're seeing the uncomfortable conversations she's having with Mo. We're seeing her and Morgan Wade at the tattoo parlor. You know, we're seeing her deal with this stuff. Like, she's just not coming to the dinner table and doing it in the way that Sutton wants her to do it. And so I just find it really difficult to be on Sutton's side when the argument is Kyle doesn't share and also, like, there's this inability on her part to see like she herself Sutton is self-centered to the max. I mean, we've like, how can we forget the way that she acted after Dorit had her home invasion? Oh yeah. And expect that this is someone that like is someone to trust in this situation. I would also argue, I would argue that Sutton really hasn't shown much of her own life on the show because of course her kids aren't really on it. And I don't know if that has to do with the relationship with the ex-husband, but, but there, I mean, in terms of like personal storyline, I don't know that we've really gotten a lot out of Sutton. So if, if, if that is the argument against Kyle of like, you haven't shown your life, it's like, well, Sutton, like, what are we really, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I do love Sutton for the show. I mean, I love Sutton for the show too. She's one of my favorites. Like, I, it, but I go up and down with her in terms of being on her side. And I find it incredibly difficult to understand her when she acts like this. Like, I just feel like, and, and, and we saw it even at the weed dinner, which was iconic with her lighting a blunt at the table and smoking marijuana on television on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And then several weeks before she was scandalized, even sitting at the audience at a Magic Mike show. It's just so it's very funny. But then when it comes at the expense of like someone's actual privacy and happiness, and I'm not saying that Kyle has been a saint. Obviously, she hasn't like she plays the game like everyone else, but it's just a weird it's a weird dynamic to me because Sutton obviously is not coming at this from you know the most friendly vantage point but yeah. i guess you could argue that Kyle has put Sutton in these positions before too it's just weird to watch them at this like sort of standoff when we know what the game is and we know what's up who do you think like, plays the game the best on the show like, not who you like the best, not who you like the worst. Like, who do you think plays the game of Housewives the best on The Real Houses of Beverly Hills? Honestly, I think that Garcelle does a really good job of mixing it up and being involved. And also, in her personal storyline, remaining sympathetic, likable, and really fun to follow. I will say... I know that people are like, yes, Garcelle, go for it, Garcelle, about her being like, with the insinuation about Dorit's robbery. Like, the only time I've noticed jewelry oh, is see, when I thought Dorit that was still mean. had all of hers. I thought it was so mean. Yeah, I thought it was I thought, mean. I, thought it, I thought it was beyond the pale. And I do think that she has, I think that Garcelle and Dorit 
it's it's just not happening. And I right. think that she has a little bit of a right to come for her after the way Dorit treated her about, you know, when Garcelle tried to open up about her children and all that stuff. So, I, But that, to me, was a low blow. And that, I thought it came, across, a low blow. it came across as more mean, too, I think, because we haven't Petty. seen that from Garcelle. And so I think if it were to come from someone like Sutton, I don't know that it would have hit as hard for me hearing it. But just because Garcelle has pretty much stayed out of that she hasn't. I haven't seen a low blow out of Garcelle. I don't think, and that to me felt like you said a low blow. But I, I love I Garcelle too. I love Garcelle too. I, I think that like with Dorit, whenever she like acts up, it's out of like an ignorance. And the last thing I would say about Garcelle is that she's ignorant. I think Garcelle is super smart, and I think she knew what she was doing there, which makes me feel like, oh, man, you didn't need to go to the... You didn't need to... Like, I get it. They went low. You went to hell on that one. Like, Because the insinuation is that she's making up the robbery, right? I mean, that's the insinuation. Well, and I'd rather somebody say that in person. Some of the frustrating things about The Real House of Beverly Hills, even in that dinner with Kyle at the weed dinner, where it was like everybody wanted to talk about this thing that they knew they had to bring up production. I think probably prepped all of them and said, we need to get this out about Kyle's marriage. And yet it still felt like such a struggle to get out. And so even something like the robbery, if, if that is a storyline that everyone's speculating on that you want to come up on the show, like let's say it to Dorit at the table and just like blurt it out when it comes up instead of, I don't know. Yeah. I think that it's, um, what's going on with with Dorit's finances too, by the way. I don't do you think? know. I, I, I've never known. Yeah, I've yeah. literally never known. But I think with Beverly Hills especially, they have a really hard time getting to it. Like, they have a really hard time, like, actually arriving at the point of conflict and contention. They beat around the bush a lot. And that can often be really fun. It's just, it seems like often with this franchise, and I'm really enjoying the season, I will say. Yeah. I love the last couple episodes. I think it's great. But we get to this frustrating part where we all as an audience know what's coming and it feels like it's percolating, but we have this like string of episodes, which is like the ladies all beating around the bush about it. And it feels like that's where we're at right now. And I have no doubts that we're going to get there soon. And like, you know, obviously the Kyle stuff is already unraveling. Um, but I just feel like we're in an awkward part of the narrative right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and, it's, and with Beverly Hills, that part can feel extra slow, which is why I think it's great that like, there's so many cameos right now. There's so much fun stuff happening because like, if Denise hadn't been at that dinner and, you know, uh, Faye yeah. hadn't been at that dinner and like all those things hadn't been happening, that dinner episode wouldn't have been as great yeah. as we were all anticipating it would be. Like it gave. Yeah. But yeah. it did, it wouldn't have given had all that extra stuff not been happening. I always think Beverly Hills gives us like three good seasons or three good episodes per season, but then everything else is like really bad. And it's like we remember sort of those those highs. So for this season, for instance, it's like I think we the dinner party was fantastic TV. I thought it was great. But yeah. then it's like in it it's in a sea of like bad stuff. Whereas some of the other franchises, like Salt Lake City to me will kind of deliver each episode, maybe not at the highs that like the weed dinner party gave us on Beverly Hills, but mm-hmm. I feel like it is a little more consistent on Beverly Hills. Every season feels like, Oh, we got three like amazing episodes or a really good reunion, but then there's like so much filler because everything goes slow at snail's pace. And I guess that's sort of the nature of Beverly Hills is where everyone keeps everything bottled up and then it explodes into at one moment. 
Yeah, I think what I what I love about Beverly Hills is I genuinely love watching their lives, and I think they are my favorite individual group of women. Like I, I actually like watching all of what's going on. Whereas, like with other French, I've actually stopped watching Potomac. Just full disclosure, like I, I no longer watch it. I cannot watch most of the cast anymore, and I, I just don't support morally the direction that the conflict is going in. So I'm not watching it anymore. Which sucks but it's just the way Wait, it is what do you, what do you like, mean by that can you explain morally the oh yeah no 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 i don't i don't like that neca and wendy are being pitted against each other based on heritage i don't like the religious like thing that's happening here i really didn't like the editing of the scene uh at the end of the episode a couple weeks ago where they were putting this like mystical music on top of wendy's mother as she was like you know leading you know a family prayer, a religious like service, a, 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 family a family prayer. Event. Like, yeah. I just think it's really disrespectful. And I think that there's no way that on the outset, Wendy would have signed up for something like that was that was going to try to humiliate her mother, someone that she obviously cares about a lot and whose faith is very important to her. I just think like it's all gone in a really ugly direction. I don't believe that Giselle is a good person. Um, and I think that Ashley is. I, I've always thought she was diabolical, but this has gone to another level. Also, the Robin of it all. I know it sounds like I'm watching the show. I really haven't watched it in a few weeks. Someone that's so inactive and doesn't want her life to improve. It's like, okay, well, then what are we watching this for? Yeah, it's you know what I mean? Spot. Like, It's in a rough spot. It's in I a really bad yeah. spot. I think it's actually in a worse spot than the old New York was. And um, so I'm not watching it anymore. I also just don't believe that they're friends. I do mm. not believe that they're friends. I believe that Robin and Giselle are friends. I believe that all of them, like given the choice, wouldn't hang out with each other outside of that. And I think this is such an interesting conversation too, because anytime this comes up of like, well, they're not friends, then the argument could kind of be like, well, it's a TV show. And of course, nobody on any of these friends, but there still has to be like a thread, like, right? Like they need to, they need to give the audience like a thread. That doesn't mean we have to watch seven people who are our absolute best friends during filming, off filming, whatever. But we have to believe that that could be the case. And I feel like yeah, with Potomac this season... Yeah, at least be able season, to fake it. <laughs> yeah, with Potomac, like, I I can't even pretend no. these people are... And they're not even giving me anything to, like, kind of latch on to to make it feel easy as the audience to believe that they're friends. It's, like, very clear cut of there are these two different people. It seems like nobody wants to film with each other. Candace feels like she's on a separate show. Wendy is yeah. on a separate show. Karen Huger's trying to sort of bring everyone together. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I feel like this is a But at a certain point, it's like gotten so ugly that even the attempts to bring them together feel like that's not genuine. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because the genuine thing would be once someone has come in and tried to like ruin your life and ruin your marriage and ruin, ruin like, you know, your mother's reputation, it's like at a certain point, like, you as someone who's a, trying to be a go between between me and that person think it's in my best interest to sit down with this woman and make amends. It's not. I can tell you it's not. Right. Right. And that, and yeah. it's it's been like that for years. So it's just like I don't know. I, I feel like um I get in trouble with some Bravo fans about being constantly harping on the Green Eyed Bandits and like Ashley about how I think that they're oh, not they good for the show. You? Oh, they don't like me at all. I mean, the Green Eyed Bandits fans don't like me at all, and the Teresa fans don't like me at all. But the thing with Teresa is I understand her as a fundamental fabric part of that show. I wish things were different in the way that she acted sometimes, and I wish that um 
things played out differently. But I think that Teresa is a necessary and integral part of Bravo. You know what I mean? Mm. Whereas like, and I, I, I've always said like, you know, if Teresa doesn't want to be on that show anymore, spin it off. But like with the green eyed bandits, like I don't want to see them on television anymore. I don't believe they have good intentions. I'm disgusted with Robin's husband about what happened with him while he was coach of his team. Um, I think that people should really understand that the truth of what happened there and then make their judgments about it and not take at face value what he's saying on the show because it's a way to make himself feel better about the fact that like he buried sexual assault allegations on his team when it came to a coach having inappropriate relations or attempted inappropriate relations with one of his players. I mean, I guess all of this is alleged. So I'll say that, but like he did get fired from that job. So go ahead and make your own conclusions. Um, I'm just disgusted with the people on that show and I don't want any part of it. And uh, yeah, that's okay. That's, as that, that's go, all I have yeah. to say about Potomac. Matthew, not to go backwards to Beverly Hills, but also I just have to get your take on Denise of it all because I love I know that's a big shift. But I, to me, <laughs> there were some moments in this past week's dinner party episode with Denise that I thought were some of the funniest to ever appear on Bravo. Like I'm not just Absolutely. talking about this week or this season or whatever. The coat thing with Dorit to me, like you, that is like better than any scripted comedy anyone could write. Like it's so perfect. Yeah. Then when she said that. <laughs> There was like a small moment where she said, thank you. And you're welcome at the same. She's like, thank you. You're welcome. And she says that herself. You're welcome. And it's like, that is the funniest thing. Like that is so funny. It's so good. It's uh, what I loved too, is that I do think Dorit was genuinely like, is your coat upside down? And Denise was like, don't do this. I know what you're doing. And it's like, oh, wow. So she's, she's come on so on guard about like, what happened last season. And here's the thing. I did get what Denise was saying. And I thought it was really glib of all the women to be like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like they were gaslighting her in that moment. Like Denise was saying, Erica was nasty to her out of allegiance to Rinna. And it was the whole Denise Denise and Rinna thing. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't, no, <laughs> but I loved every second of it. I loved, you know what I'm talking about. You know and then the, 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 like, and I also was like, what was it that she was on? Like, did you think she pre-gamed with a little bit of like it, weed or was it like a benzo? It what didn't was happening? Feel like, it did not feel like weed or alcohol to me. That's what I think. Yeah. But I don't know it what. Felt like it maybe felt like she took else. like anti-anxiety med- medication or something. I don't want to speculate, but like yeah. it was. I'll say like for me, the closest I recognize to it is like when you take a Xanax and get on a plane and have like a drink on the plane. Like that to me was like kind of how I felt like I would be after I get on a plane with like more than one Xanax or like, it was like, she was like seeing double or something. You know what I mean? It was like, everything was happening fuzzy and I can't imagine how it must've been for the other women who were all a little bit high to be looking at her and being like, you know, because it, sometimes it's like when you're high and someone else is like on another level, it like warps your perspective. Like, forget about it, like ruining your buzz. Like, it's kind of just like, wait, am I going to become like that one at, at one second from now? Like, am I, should I be like that? Like, did I not eat this correctly? Do I need more? Like, it had to be very disorienting. <laughs> but even before she even sat down at that table, like when her and Camille got out of that car, I was like, oh, she's fucked up. Like, she, yeah. And she kept addressing cameras directly at the beginning which was in, i don't know it was just bizarre and the funniest yeah. thing to me was that she like filmed the next day after that after that horrifying humiliating dinner like 
any other person would have gotten home from that and they would have turned to their big dick husband, Aaron, and been like, I can't believe I did that on camera. But she just like fresh as a daisy the next day showed up to lunch with Garcelle and the gang. I think probably a little part of her A didn't realize it went that bad and B was just like, you know, like whatever. I don't think she gives a fuck. That's no. I think what I love about Denise is yeah, I think that too. she's like, I don't really give a fuck. Like, the, and I think that like, I, I, I think I'm at the point of genuinely believing her that nothing happened with Brandy because it just felt like if something would have happened, she would have maybe said something. Yeah, she wouldn't care. She shows up as pretty much herself, like in all other ways. So I just don't know. Like, and I, I think that she is like a little traumatized from the fact that like the last time she was around these women, they like really were dogs with a bone with this mm-hmm. thing that she just couldn't really participate in because it either wasn't true or like she didn't think it was that big of a deal. And so when they were all like, you know, galvanized about this Denise thing, she kind of was just like, what is happening? So maybe that's why she showed up a little bit wonky. And maybe that's why she wants to continue now. I mean, obviously there's more because we haven't gotten to the part where she goes, you are one evil woman to Erica. So there's more to come. Did you see her interview with Bethany? I only saw a clip of it, but like, I watched the whole thing. Oh my God. I felt like she was, Bethany thought she was going to get like one thing out of Denise and Denise was not giving her that thing. And it was so funny to me. (laughs) I think that Bethany has thought she'd get a lot more out of everything that she's doing than she would get. I mean, Oh, did you see that? That one piece from the cut was like that one inner, the one piece that came out, I think it was the cut. Um, Oh my God. It was a must read. Okay. Wait, Matthew. I I actually saw the cut too. Was it the one where she referred to herself as, um, Aaron Brockovich. The Aaron Brockovich, yeah, I did read that. And I just think it's so funny that she keeps talking to these journalists who then turn around and write these pieces about her. Like, because it shows a true lack of self-awareness, I think. Like, she is not the right messenger for this. There is hours and hours of footage of her being the worst perpetrator of women on women, like, verbal violence ever. Like, it's just, and I know she keeps calling it her penance, but do it privately. You know what I mean? Like, do it privately if you feel like you have something to repay. It's just with with her, it's just I never believe that it's coming from a benevolent place, I guess. I don't know. All right, not to change the subject, but I got to talk about Joy Behar. So you're just on The View, which we love The View here. (laughs) And uh, so I hadn't watched it. And I just started seeing last night, like these headlines of you pop up and it was like a split screen of Joy Behar looking (laughs) mad and you looking more serious. And, and it was like Joy Behar yells at Matt Rogers or tells him to shut up or something. (laughs) So explain this to the listeners and also just. So what happened was moment to moment in my pre-interview, the producers were like, is it true you were on the plane coming back from the Bahamas with, but I was with Bowen. We were, we did the, an episode of The View in the Bahamas last year and everyone got along great. It was wonderful. And then we were getting on the plane and we're on the plane. We're sitting behind Joy and Joy has her shoes off barefoot and her feet up on the wall. And I was like, this is so funny. On She's so unapologetic. Like, she was like, at the like front in front seat, of her. The first seat. She was in the front seat and her okay. feet were like up next to the screen, almost like okay. the computer, the, the TV screen. And I was like, wow, she is unapologetic. Like she is just, her feet are up and out. And I'm thinking to myself. Was she watching? No, I don't remember. Screen, but, but I do remember Su- Sunny was watching Z-Way, which I thought was really oh. cool. So Joy's um, hoof was up. Sunny's watching Z-Way. Both hooves out. Them. And can I say gorgeous feet? Amazing. 
famously good feet, them. actually, because Matthew McConaughey has multiple times on the View massaged them. It's She's like got a thing. great feet. It's like a thing. I would trust me if my feet looked like that, and they really don't. Um, I, I would have them up and out too in the Wait, air. Do you have bad like, feet? I don't have good feet. Oh, interesting. I don't think I have good feet. I guess it's not really for me to say, but well, right now, no, I can't say this. Wait, uh, I'll say just it. say it. I, no. I'll be honest. Right now, I have athlete's foot. Okay. Okay. So, so no not one wants to feet. see my so feet. We don't and want I would, those up on a plane. No, I would never put them on the walls of a plane. I love that you just I'll just say it. I'll just say it. It I'll was like a dramatic. <laughs> this is the thing. I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to hide. Um, but anyway, so I, I, they asked my pre-interview, like, oh my God, that's so funny. That thing with her feet, you have to say it. I was like, okay. So I said, girl, why were your feet bare? Why were you barefoot on the plane? And she goes, turns to me under her breath and goes, shut up. Don't tell them that. And I was just like, what? <laughs> so did in your brain when And then she brought it up again. Was, did you think she was kidding or what did you think? First of all, she was kidding because she laughed about it like in within the same breath of the interview. Like I she I was and then like brought I, it up I, again. So it was clear. She brought it up something. again. She was like, Well, I don't know if we're friends now after you outed me. And I was like, Are you mad at me? I was like, No, come on. I was like, feet joy, your feet were up and out. And proud. And then she started to laugh and we laughed about it. Okay. So I don't know. Page six entertainment weekly. They can report on whatever they want. Those gotcha headlines, but, but we had a good time with, with the view in particular, like that show. I, know. I always, cause I am a big fan of the view. And when I was on Same. Las Culturista, we talked about the view extensively, oh, yeah. but I watch it every day. And so I think a lot of times when I see headlines, I'm like, that's so misrepresentative of what happened, especially it doesn't happen so much anymore. That's why I loved this moment so much because since Megan McCain left, it it just doesn't get headlines like it used to. And so when I do see it, um, I like, I like that you are a part of it. It just made me happy because that got picked up everywhere. It, it was so funny. I mean, like I was, it was just so funny because I was like, wow, it couldn't have been less an issue, but the way that they did grab the screen and it looked like us like looking at each other, like there was like all conflict. I was like, it wasn't like that. And, but listen, whatever. I, I mean, yeah, it's too, I hard. haven't talked to like, I don't know. I guess I've talked to my publicist about it and see how she feels. <laughs> No. It was, uh, I think it's all fine. <laughs> when I went back and actually like watched it, I was like, oh, it wasn't like it was completely misrepresented, but it was it, it's funny yeah, to me that it was. Uh okay, wait. I Matt, mean, it is what it is. <laughs> are you are you dating anyone right now? Are you seeing no, anyone? I'm single, some single as hell. It's not that I'm not looking, it's just that I've been sort of like busy with this and it's taken up a lot of time, like the Christmas of it all. Um and also I don't know. I went through something last year and now I think I'm just more guarded than I ever have been. Like I'm a little bit more safe with letting people in or getting super excited about things because I've been the most excited and the most unguarded and then got hurt pretty badly. So, um, did someone like screw you over or was it just like a, it wasn't that it was just, it was just a bad situation. It was, it was just, it just didn't end the way I ever thought it would. It was, it was not malicious. It was just, you know, it was just not the ending I pictured and it was sort of uh, fast and uh, the whole relationship was fast. And so now I'm just like, you know, it's more of a personal thing of like, all right, if, if there's like, if there's things to notice, notice them, don't ignore because you think, you know, it's just whatever, you know, you know what I mean? It's just one of those learning experiences. They say like, when you get your heart broken, it grows back stronger and then you'll be able to give more to the next person. I'm like hoping that's true. 
uh, I asked because last time you were on the show, I, I got like more than one. I mean, it was like multiple messages being like, you should have asked Matt about his dating and like the guys, you know, your people like you, like there's single guys out there who want to shoot their shot. So for those single men out there, yeah, what, <laughs> what, uh, what works for you or like what? I suppose what Directness, are you attracted to, but also like honesty. How, yeah, like so. If can people just can someone DM you and then be like, oh, let's go out or something? Or does that make people sense? can DM me? I mean, people can definitely DM me, and I think like we'll start a conversation. Like, don't expect it. I'm just gonna answer a DM and be like, yeah, let's hang out. But I let's mean, like, fuck. I don't know. I'm I'm open to whatever. Like, a, a, you know, someone said to me earlier. Actually, an astrologer said to me earlier. It's like Miranda said in Sex in the City. You have to. It's dating in New York. Dating is like hailing a cab in New York. You have to have your light on for someone to get in. That's and I was true. like, really, Miranda said that. I feel so unlike Miranda. She'd be like, dating is dating is like hailing a cab in New York. You're in constant traffic, and no one's no one knows what the fuck they're doing. You know what I mean? Like, I, love I, feel like that's more I love your Miranda. I love your Miranda voice. By the way, how funny was it that I was on the same episode of Cynthia Nixon? I know. Wait, did you see her, or was it like filmed separately? I or? saw her, but but um, she was leaving as I was going in, and it was like not an opportunity for me to go up and talk to her. But I would have went up to her and said, you know, one of my biggest accomplishments was getting my dad, my very at the time, very Cuomo type father, Long Island dad to vote for Cynthia Nixon in the primary mm. for governor a few years ago. So that was like a big moment for me. And I wanted to tell her that I wish she'd run for mayor against Eric Adams, who's the worst we've ever had. You know, I ran into you at BravoCon very briefly, and I wish I could have gotten to hang out with you a little more. I know, was me like too. So crazy there. But uh, did you have fun? At BravoCon, what was your I had the best time. Like? You look amazing, by the way. Oh, you, you and I see man. you in the gym, and like you look great. Thank um, you, I, I, uh, I had such a fun time. I really wish I could have stayed longer. I will say it was like it was like being at Disney World and watching like all the mascots walk around, but like they, but like they never take off their hat to reveal they're not really Mickey Mouse. It was like <laughs> actually Alexia. You yes. know what I mean? It was like actually her. Um, who was your favorite person that you met that you hadn't met before? You know, all those Miami women I hadn't met or I had maybe I interviewed a couple of them maybe on Zoom or something over the years. But seeing being with them all in person, because I do love Miami a lot. Love and Miami. I think they're so beautiful. And I don't they're know. They're amazing. Whenever I watch their show, <laughs> like I feel like I get the sunshine and and I think it yeah. just sort of sparks my serotonin in a weird way. So then just like seeing them all together in person in their like bright colored outfits and stuff yeah. really just instantly boosted. And I, and I thought it just sort of connected it to the show. Like it wasn't even about seeing them in person. It was just like, oh, I was reminded of the sunshine of Miami or something. So it was fun to see them. And then, uh, Lisa Barlow, I had just done Watch What Happens Live with. So getting to see her, I was like, oh, we're besties in my head. I, I got like, to meet her too. It was so fun. John is so handsome. I know. I thought he was kind of handsome too, and which I wasn't expecting. Oh not, no! Not, I, I mean, don't know. I, I had only heard. I had only heard that he was more handsome in person, and then he really was. I was like, wow, he's very handsome. Okay. And then I will say, Shannon Bador was so lovely to me. Like she came up to me and she was like, she said she was a fan of I Love That For You. She said that um, she loved watching me on Watch What Happens Live. She was so kind. And um, she had a lot of damage control to do that weekend. <laughs> She did. And I also think um, I had but just been course, on Watch What Happens Live and I, I had kind of said that she was not well because I don't think she was well last season. And I'm looking forward to next season if she's on. I'm sure she will be to see her in a healthier spot because I yeah. think Shannon's awesome. And I, I think I think she 
was in a bad relationship and I, I, I think we didn't see it and she was protective of it because she was in denial and I'm excited to see her in a fresher spot. I'm a little with worried more with, control over what's going on. I'm concerned with the Lexus thing with John because I don't, it's been rumored that they're dating now, which to me, I feel like they really are just dating to get on the show. The two of them. Oh, a hundred percent. But that whatever. should say everything about John. Like that should say everything about him. But it is very, to me, obvious that that's what's happening. But also at the same time, normally I'd be not okay with it, but I'm, I'm totally okay with it, but I'm worried about Shan. Like, I think it'll be great TV, but it's not going to be good for Shannon. No, I don't think so. Uh, and did you hear Vicky commented on it? She was she was like very angry about it. Oh my god, I can't wait. Um, but I yeah, know we need it. Any, was there anyone that was not nice to you at BravoCon? Did you have any bad experiences? Um, I didn't have any bad experiences. I would say it was very clear. And this is, uh, let me stress, this is fine. It was very clear. Dorit did not know who I was, and that's fine. But I went up to her and I went out because I. I I do think Dorit is hilarious. And so I went up to her and I said, hi. And I think she was just like, she gets, gives me the impression that she's like a little like shy or overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Um, uh, Lisa Hoxstein, and I went up to, I said, Lisa, I love you. And she was like, thanks. And she kind of just like turned the other way. Um, but that's fine. I didn't have any bad experiences. Honestly, if I was going to have a bad experience with them, I turned and walked away. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I there was a couple of them I saw which, where I, I just said to my friend Riri, I was like, we got to go. Yeah. What's uh, the I'm point? not dealing. I'm not dealing. Um, you know, uh, you mentioned I love that for you. And I'm so devastated. I love that show too. If people haven't watched it, go watch it on, is it on Showtime? Like the, all the you episodes. You can't so- watch it on Paramount Plus or down? Showtime anymore. They took them down. I guess you have to go on like Amazon now and buy them or iTunes or whatever. You well, can it's get still it somehow, be worth it to like, buy it. Absolutely. I mean, like yeah. it's such a great show. It's so disappointing, but like such is how television is right now. I loved doing the show. Mm-hmm. I was hopeful that maybe it would find another home, but I'm not really sure. I, I, I'm, it's obvious. I'm obviously just an actor on it, so I don't know what's happening, yeah. but I think if it were going to continue, I probably would have heard by now. Yeah. It just well, was just- bad timing with it got canceled and then the strikes and that went on so long. And so, yeah. And with you know. the, the discourse so toxic in the words of your character. Exactly. <laughs> the discourse is really toxic. Oh, that was my favorite, and also, can I, I, can I just say, time, by the way, can I just say no part of me wants to feel that way about Potomac. And also like, I'm so obsessed with all the other franchises right now. I think Beverly Hills is fucking amazing. I think um, Miami's been great. Like Salt Lake is having its best season ever. I think like it just sucks because Potomac at one point was my favorite, and now it's yeah. just the, I th- I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the show has grinded away at the women, but I just can't anymore. I think sometimes they need to get ahead of the cast changes. Like even though the audience might seem like we like the whole cast. I think sometimes it's still better to change things up before it gets to this point. Uh, where I don't even, well, how, well, how would you fix Potomac? Oh, I think uh, I actually think getting rid of Giselle would be really, I, I'm a big fan of putting people on pause. Let me just say that, like of just taking them out for a season or two and then bringing them back. And I think that would change getting rid of Giselle for even just a season. And I know she brings so much to the show and I, people love her or whatever, but I think taking her out of the dynamic would, and also maybe even demoting Robin, or if you were going to keep one of them around, I would, my, my uh, toxic discourse would be like, get rid of Giselle instead of Robin, because that's going to shake up everybody. Like, I think that would be a more, it would force everyone to kind of do something a little different. I think Giselle just has too much of a, hold on like what's going on on that show 
Yeah, I think it's just she's just the queen bee in a way that's no longer productive because especially a show that like where it's about like conflict and resolution, like she's in no way even trying to do that with Wendy in a way that feels like bullying to me. Yeah. Like every time Wendy is around these women, I'm worried for her. I feel I, I I'm a big Wendy fan too, and that's not popular right I now. I love we're, Wendy. We're putting our lives on the line right now by saying that. Cause I trust but how you. and how weird is that? Like, uh, like how, like how many times do we have to watch Wendy be sat down by Ashley season after season at the beginning and told like that the conflict is going to be focused on her and her family again? Like, it's like I, I feel like we have deja vu about like that time when they brought in that shit about the blogs about Eddie cheating, which obviously mm-hmm. didn't happen. It's just like all this made up bullshit when like the real shit that's going on is like not on the show. Yeah. Until the it's, Ashley's like, husband situation on. and, and Juan and Michael Darby, like all that stuff is really going on in their lives. And I feel like nobody's talking about it and that's frustrating. Right. So we're, t- we're focusing on this other stuff and yeah. And I mean, just to go back to what you said about like Wendy's mom and that's one of the things that, so the reasons bad. why I could never be on the, one of these shows because it's like, you could say whatever about me, but like, if, if I have to like listen to other people say bad things about like a parent, I just would lose it. Like I couldn't handle that. Cause also, even if your parent is sort of in the wrong, like your natural instinct is going to be to protect them too. Cause they're your immediate right. family. And so I feel like that's what I'm witnessing from Wendy is like, she's trying to, I think, figure out like, not only what the situation is, because I don't know that she exactly understood it, but then also, right. also having to like defend the situation without understanding it all. I don't know. Well, probably what, well, it really is all Ashley's fault because Ashley brought in this whole thing of Osu. And w- that was like a serious thing for like people of Nigerian descent. I mean, like if you look at what Wendy has been saying about it, this is like a serious accusation and like a serious thing that like, would bring shame upon the name of one of their families. And so probably she did turn around and tell her family that that happened because she was frustrated. And then out of anger and frustration and personal hurt, maybe her mother did do something or say the wrong thing. But then it's all about like, when you, when the mother reaches out to you, are you actually going to turn around and bring that on the show? Like it just feels all weird to me and messed up. And narratively, I don't know if you saw the last episode or two, you, but the narratively it's frustrating narratively too, because we're basically talking about people who aren't on the show because we're talking about like a cousin and someone who was at this, like it's, we're seeing even text messages between people who aren't cast members. And it's like, I don't want, I can't even, I, I can barely grasp when they're showing me a text message between like Karen and Ashley, let alone one where I'm supposed to be reading a text message between like, Wendy's sibling and someone's cousin or what, whoever it is. Yeah. It's like like unreliable storytelling. It's like unreliable storytelling about people who are no longer. And they wouldn't do that. Likeable. If they had other stuff, they wouldn't do that. Production wouldn't do, they wouldn't show text messages between people who aren't on the show, but they have nothing else that the women are bringing to the show. Um, Yeah. And we have to take a quick break here. We'll be back with so much more from my chat with Matt Rogers. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that 
thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories so much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. We got to talk about your holiday album, Matthew. Yeah. Tell everybody about it. I love it. Well, I'm joining you in the holiday spirit because I haven't gotten a chance to read the book because I've been busy yet, but I'm super excited. And thank you for sending it to me. Sure, sure, sure. You'll get to it when you get to it. I know how busy you are. Um, But yeah, I have an album out. It's called Have You Heard of Christmas? Is that a weird thing for you to say that you have an album out? I mean, I'm so excited. It was in the beginning. It was in the beginning because it's just like, I don't know. There's something different about like stream my single than watch my show. You know what I mean? Like, and I was talking about this yesterday with some people. Like, I think it's like, I just can't believe it got this far. And also there's that little gay boy inside me who's like still shy about saying I want to do music or I want to do anything. You know what I mean? And so like now that I've gotten to the place, it's like, it's like that little final push about being like confident about saying like, yes, here's my album that I worked hard on. It's like I equal parts worked hard on the music and the comedy. You know what I mean? Like it's so I finally gotten to the point now where I'm comfortable calling myself like, a singer and a comedian and an actor and a writer in equal measure. You know what I mean? It's just, I've worked so hard for it, but it's still hard to wrap your head around that. It's like, and for listeners who might not be as familiar, the album, it's a holiday album. And you had this holiday special that aired on Showtime last year. That was fantastic too. Um, But the album really does mix comedy with your phenomenal vocals and, and writing and all of that kind of stuff too. Thank you. And yeah, I, I guess, yeah, it's like a hybrid comedy pop Christmas album. And um, Capitol Records put it out. And I think it was a little bit of a risk and a roll of the dice on paper. So I'm really grateful to them for doing this with me. And also, they didn't really give me any notes on the creative or the music. They just let me fucking go for it. I worked with one of my dear friends, Leland, on it. He, You might have seen him on Drag Race all the time. He does like all the rusicals. He also produced Troy Sivan's album. He's worked with Selena Gomez. He co-wrote Rare. Um, and he's worked with Carrie Underwood and Kelsey Ballerini and like countless artists. And he's the coolest. And we had such a good time making it. Um, and then at the end of it, is I had this like, 12 couch, track is, is that a leather album. couch? Are you on a leather what? couch? I just heard no, like I'm some- on. Oh, okay. I'm For on listen- what is very <laughs> much only a bed. <laughs> I was just thinking I could hear it sounded like you were moving on leather, which can sound like a fart. I, I know you were just moving. It wasn't a fart, but I was just wanted I didn't to point fart. out to listeners. I, I don't fart. fart. <laughs> For all the people that are gonna get in my DMs and potentially <laughs> inquire about whether I'm single or not, I also don't fart. 
I'm no, a fartless and I could single tell you gay man. Farting, but I could hear like a, it was picking up a little like a sound like a fart, and I was like, "Oh, people are going to okay." You know what? I'm going to actually. I'm going back. I do fart. I'm real. Okay. If you want to date me, I'm real. Flaws and all, Beyonce style. Okay. <laughs> what type? I'm of not guy? perfect. Wait. What physically? Do you have a type? Like, do you? I don't have a physical yeah. type. I okay. don't. I. I mean, I guess like. I, I mean someone that takes care of themselves, but even that could mean anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't have like a physical type. Whoever's just comfortable in their own skin and like has like a pride in their presentation, like I'm I'm good with it. If I'm attracted to you, you could look like anything or be anybody. Really seriously. What do you want to do next? Is there plans for new music or what what I hope to make new yeah. music for sure. I hope to make another comedy album. I signed like a three album deal. So I guess like it depends on how well the first one does and so far so good. Um, but then what I'm really excited about is lots of really exciting stuff for the podcast next year and also growing that, which is my Las podcast Culturistas, with Bo and Yang. Uh, thank you. And um, we're, we still have fun doing it, which is great. And then like other stuff with Bowen, I'm really excited about. And now that the strikes are over, I, we can get back to, um, you know, doing all that. I actually have my first audition since the strike in three hours. Huh. Are you ready? So for it's him? like, I mean, I think so. I think I'm just going to have fun and like go for it. Like, cause now it's like, it's at the point now where it's just like, all right, you kind of know who I am now. If you want me to do it, you'll want me to do it. If you if I'm not right for it, that's cool. Um right. which is which is a nice place to be at, but I'm just excited about, you know, there being like possibility in the entertainment industry again. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just felt so shitty there for a while. For a very um, long time. A very it was I mean between even before the strikes and having the yeah. covid stuff, it just feels like anyone creatively who's trying to get anything off the ground, it's been a nightmare and a slog. So, I mean, I yeah. yeah, it's incredible getting your album and everything off the ground because it luckily is, I had that. Um, yeah. and like let that, that was already percolating and I didn't even need to like pivot to it. That was already happening. So weirdly enough, like if the strike was going to happen at a perfect time, at least it was now where I had this other thing, but I'm just super excited because a lot of my friends were really struggling. Like you just saw LA take a total nosedive, like, like ec- economically, like people, people having to like, move. And I had yeah. so many friends who had to move or put their, yeah, get to it's not good. It's, it was sad. Yeah, tough. And I just feel like it, it's it's going to be really exciting to get back to that because as much as I love having a full schedule of Bravo, um, you know who I met yesterday? Craig Conover and Paige Desorbo. Oh my god did you did you find Craig so much more attractive in person? I've always thought he was hot. Okay. He's really hot in person. Yeah. And Paige is adorable. Paige is stunning too. Yeah. I love Paige. Oh my God. Yeah. She's so cute. And I love, she was dressed so cute. She had these huge white puffy sleeves on this like black short cocktail dress. I was like, you really are so cute. Like she's she really Ita- is. I think I like her so much because she's got that Italian girl energy. Like she's 100%. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Like yeah. she just gives me like young Marissa Tomei and I love. Yeah. I love her and I love them as a couple. I love that. Like he loves her. Like he smiles at her. Like I just, I just think they're really cute. Good vibe. And I think that his dress is amazing. Like I think that his hair looks great. Yeah, he I, looks, I'm into he looks Craig. Good. No, I, I, yeah, I saw him at BravoCon and I sometimes forget that these people are on TV show and they're not like, char- I, I sometimes treat them like characters. And so I went up to him and I was like, Craig, you were so awful these past couple of seasons. And like, I'm telling him what he did wrong and stuff. And 
I realized then halfway through, I was like, wait, he's like a real person and I'm talking to him like this, but he was so cool about it. He's the nicest guy. I but, just don't really engage with the ones that I'm critical of because have you, did you see run into Teresa? Because well. I know that Teresa fans no, don't like you, right? They really don't like me. And I wish that they would understand it. My complaints about her are more the people around her that she allows to be around her than they are her. Like I root for Teresa a lot. I just think that it's unfortunate I don't trust Louis. I'm sorry. I don't. And I, I think it's all very weird. And I also think, you know, did you see that episode of Watch What Happens Live with Alexia and Garcelle? Oh, well, no, Alexi- I saw, yeah, she said Louis tried to get on it or something. Well, they were, she, was like, or something. she was she was like, well, we met when we were in Europe. I was with Todd. It wasn't weird. He came up. He obviously knew the show. And then she started talking about how he knew the show, et cetera. And this is before he met Teresa. So Garcelle was sitting there like, oh, he knew the show. And I think, like, you know, of course, there's a narrative here that he didn't know who Teresa was when they met, like, and all have that they, stuff. I just think it's booked, fishy. Have they booked Alexia and Teresa together? Because I would like to see them together. I would love that. I like, I refer to them as, like, the regular Oreo and the vanilla Oreo. I would love to see them on the girls' trip together or something. Like, the two, I, yeah, I just totally. think they're very similar. And, like, I, I think they could give, like, a good dynamic duo energy. I think that they should do the next Crappy Lake. <sighs> Yes. yes. Teresa and Alexia would be a really good crappy lake. Although, Teresa, I mean, obviously Alexia and Marisol is the crappy lake, but I don't know. I think having Teresa and Alexia would be so fun. Also, can I just say this whole thing on Miami with Julia being like, oh, she doesn't want to stay in my room because I'm a lesbian? I don't think that's what it is. Mm -hmm. I think that Alexia just loves to room with Marisol. Okay, hot take. I actually don't think Marisol and Alexia are as close as they pretend or as close as the show presents them. Really? Yeah, I don't. And I don't have proof of that. (laughs) I just feel that. That's interesting. That was the first question, Matthew, that I asked them on the Miami panel, because I I had sort of heard rumblings about this idea. And so, like I said, in that very first episode, if you remember of this season of Miami, it felt like there was like a little underneath the surface. Something was going on. And I had then I had heard some things and I was like, oh, I think that might be a thing. And then I brought it up and they both looked at me like I was crazy. But I still do believe there's some something there that we're not all attuned to that maybe will come out at some point. But yeah, I don't know. I think there's something there. But so I would like Teresa and Alex. And I also think it would be benefit. Alexia and Marisol to sort of split that dynamic up a little bit on the show. I hear you. I definitely hear you. Um, I know I'm keeping you too long. So any other thoughts about Housewives Bravo that you need to get off your chest while you're here in the safe space or anything at all? I would say that there, there was some buzz on the floor at BravoCon about what's to come in Salt Lake city. And I can't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm I if if what I'm hearing is anywhere close to true, we are in for it. The reunion looks dropped today. Are you allowed to share anything that, Okay. I've I, I've officially been told too much. Um, but I would say that what I could say is it lives up to the hype. I'm excited. It lives uh, up to the hype. But someone officially told me too much, even though I kind of was like, don't tell me too much. I then was told too much. And so now I have like a knowledge is power advantage. And I refuse to use it today. Yeah. You got to be careful. You know, I get it. I never know like what people are, who's telling me something that's real or if I just read it online or like it all kind of blends together in my head. So I never know kind of where I hear things. It was like really weird to me that it was so bad amongst the Salt Salt Lake City cast members at the end. So I don't know if I told you this, but I was supposed to do the Salt Lake City panel. 
And then it was canceled. And I was like, oh, I wonder why. And I was told that it's because they were doing the reunion like a couple of days later. But then it became very clear to me that it would not have been tenable to gather the cast together because of what's going on. Wow. Well, and I think that was a big uh, problem with the Jersey cast is splitting them up for panels. And it's like, well, how do we have a show that we can't even have all these people on a panel together? I think Jersey is going to be really interesting this year. I'm open to seeing how Jackie ends up being Teresa's friend. Um, but it feels really odd to me. And I've always been a huge Jackie fan. Um, and I don't think that will change, but I'm curious to see what the, how this turns out because I'm not yeah. getting it. <laughs> I fell in love with Jen Fessler at BravoCon, which was Loved unexpected. Jen. Like she was very chatty and like very super friendly and just, I don't know. I just felt like she was so wonderful. Uh, okay, Matthew, thank you so much for taking the time here. Tell everyone thank where you. they can get your, you have a vinyl available too, which is so great for vinyl collectors. I I need, I'm going to get I the have... vinyl. I need to get the vinyl. You let me know and I will just put my John. No, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it and have you sign it. Okay, good. Um, you can get my vinyl uh, at natrogersofficial.com where you can also find tour tickets. I am on tour all month. I'm c- going to be in LA at the Ace Hotel on December 21st. Uh, right I'm before also, the holiday. Yep. And then I'm my last day is at Town Hall in New York on 1223. I have all other dates listed on my website. And you can listen to the album on Spotify. And as always, my podcast is Last Culture Resist with my bestie, Bowen Yang. Danny has an all-time great episode of our podcast that you can listen to if you're a Danny fan. Um, and uh, you can listen to that new episodes every Wednesday. Thank you, Matt. And everyone go stream his album, buy the vinyl, get tour tickets, go support Matt wherever you can, because uh, you are truly such a delight. And I'm so excited and proud. And um, not that it matters that I'm proud, but I just, I get so excited when I see you popping up everywhere. Cause I just think you're so funny and lovely and everything. So likewise, I'm, I'm really happy that I'm, I'm so happy for all the good things that are happening to you and every and everyone good. I love you, Matthew. Love you. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Yeah, yeah. 